This episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Eric Brown, and we are back with Neo Reality Collective. We have reached the 45th episode mark of this big season two event, and by God, we have some compressed news. We had to cover, uh, the reason why I didn't talk about last week's news is because for me, there was not really much news I wanted to talk about and nothing I was really particularly interested in. So, skip the week and did Immortal X Men. I was planning to do some other content, but I had to be busy with work and all that, and life comes first, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I round up some news for the first half of this week, and I'll get the second half later this weekend, hopefully, unless anything else comes up. So let's get right into things. From Software, you know, the developer that makes those incredibly hard games that are almost rage-inducing for some people, to the point that it led to possibly one of the biggest YouTube dramas to happen in recent years, because I don't know how the hell that even was possible, but I will not talk about that because I don't want to get in, get in trouble with certain people. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. And, yeah. From Software's next game that will no doubt be just as rage-inducing for everybody will be in, it's in its final stages of development. Interview, interview with Four Gamer, uh, from software and Elden Ring director Miyazaki revealed that the studio's next game is already in its final stages. According to an interview, the publication asked Miyazaki back in 2018 around the launch of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, from software, f- how From Software's two unannounced games were shaping up. One was the unannounced Elden Ring, and the other is the unannounced game still in the works. No word of what this game might be, but one of the high-profile leaks suggests that the studio is working on a new Armored Core game that Cody's Mech Battle Simulator. I would love, to personally, to see if they'll be interested in making a sci-fi, a science fiction story or a real-world event of guns and whatnot. It'd be interesting to change of pace, but I mean, like, the difficulty meter would still be there. So, yeah, Miyazaki himself revealed that he's already working on yet another game as director, but plans to work on more abstract fantasy than anything we've done in the past. I stand corrected. Never mind. No no sci-fi yet. No sci-fi shooter games that are having the amped up difficulty spike. Many of you concludes the sharing one lines with the new tiles. More updates for Elder Rings are in the work, and considering each of the past soul games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne received fairly substantial DLC campaigns, we can likely expect the same for Elder Ring. Following the critical and commercial success of the game, already one of the best reviewed games of 2022, Elder Ring 
Aang is basically feeling like this combination for many on Legend on Phone Software's legendary Soulsborne formula. The Dark Souls universe. The most difficult game imaginable. Until you look back and then realize all those other games were difficult, but not at the level of rage. Probably. Meanwhile, as that goes on, Kevin Feige confirms Marvel Studios is returning to San Diego Comic-Con this year. Yay! Headed back to Hall H. Uh, as reported by screenwriter producer Ash Crossan, during a press conference for Thor Love and Thunder, Marvel boss Kevin Feige confirmed that Marvel Studios will be attending Comic-Con in July when the event returns in person event in San Diego. The return is big news, or rather will be big news, as Marvel has mostly skipped Comic-Con when the event was held virtually due to the ongoing pandemic. Marvel has also skipped previous years, including the 2018, though Marvel did return a year later in 2019. With Marvel nearing the end of Phase 4, Kevin Feige has gone on record that so the next big saga will be revealed in the coming months. What better place to reveal it than at Comic-Con's Fang to Hall H? A Phase 5 reveal would make sense, given Marvel revealed most of Phase 4 the last time it was at Comic-Con in 2019. And and along with future MCU projects that weren't listed in the, in the uh, Phase 4 initiative. But uh, aside from multiver the multiverse that came the Conqueror, the big plotline of Phase 4 is yet to be revealed, though Kevin Feige says hints of the, of the next storyline are already available. My God. Yeah, this is the thing. So they were saying that there was a meeting saying that they would be revealing who would be the next, the next big villain would come in in the next coming months, and I was like... Wait, is that King the Conqueror? Okay, then is it Doctor Doom? I'm like, he hasn't shown up yet, but you already established King the Conqueror, and he's had some pretty insane stories. Why can't it be him? Yeah, you came the Conqueror a chance. Bag, let's make a fake hashtag. Hashtag give King the Conqueror a chance for him to whip ass. Meanwhile, AMD's FSR 2.0 is now available for Xbox Series X and X and One developers. They share the news in a blog confirming that FSR 2.0 is already supported on Xbox and will be available for the Xbox Game Development Kit for registered developers to use in their games. It's also the mark of the first time the tech has been utilized outside of the world of, of personal computers. For those unfamiliar, FSR 2.0 is, is AMD's answer to Nivendi's Deep Learning Super Sampling, DLSS, and it's the next level AMD, AMD temporal upscaling technology designed to deliver similar or better than native image quality and boost frame rates in the support of games across a wide range of products and platforms. Unlike DLSS, which uses machine learning, FSR optimizes anti-aliasing based on the temporal data. Temporal data, whatever. AMD confirmed FSR support for Xbox last year, knowing that it uses, that it uses AI to help scale lower resolution images and make them appear at high resolution while requiring a substantial amount of performance. So there are currently over 110 available in the upcoming games that both support 2.0 and 1.1. They include God of War, Deathloop for Spoken, Hitman 3, Flight Simulator, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and the upcoming Castellino Protocol. So the world of tech is going crazy with machine learning technology, so uh, I'm pretty sure that's not gonna bite us in the butt behind bite us in the behind when that comes down to blow up, blow in our faces. So 
So, Riot Games have announced that uh, they will begin testing its voice chat monitoring technology in Valorant next game as part of the wider strategy to com combat disruptive behavior in its games. I'm trying to wonder how you just now realize what to do. I'm like, I'm not a tech guy, but I'm pretty sure this is a thing that's been around for a while, so, okay. In a, lot, in a blog post, Riot announced its voice evaluation system eventually intended to identify community, community behavioral violations such as abusive languages, which would begin testing on July 13th. Players will have their voice chat analyzed by the technology, but at this stage, it won't be judged for appropriateness. Riot said this testing period, only taking place in North America and in English, will be used to help train our language models and get the tech in a good enough place to launch later this year. Only once the technology is working effectively will Riot launch the official beta and begin ele elevating players' voice chat following reports of disruptive behavior. This is brand new tech, and there will be for sure some growing pains. But the promise of a safer, more inclusive environment for everyone who chooses to play is worth it. Or you could just disable it. Or you, or we could just disable it. it was that asking too much? Okay. Uh, yeah, social interaction and Twitch streams, but still. Meanwhile, um... <laughs> a day of Kojima has been busy. Kojima! Kojima! Uh... So, apparently, there was a game he was considering, a concept similar to Amazon's The Boys before putting on hold for being too similar. Now that he's just put that out there, leads on the TV show have contacted him saying, Hey, uh, could you make a tie-in game for us? We would love that. Yeah, and they even were planning to get Hannibal's Mad Matt Mickelson picked out as the lead in mind and was about to start it just as the first boy season was released. Sharing the concept on Twitter, Twitter, Kojima said he stopped watching the boys after episode 3 of the season 1. I thought I watched the rest of the short. Actually, I watched a few episodes that that were delivered at the time when I was about to start a project that I had been warming up for a long time and put on hold because the concept was similar. Different settings and tricks, but still. A buddy thing with a special detective squad facing off against legendary heroes behind the scenes. I was thinking of Mads as the lead, which is partly like the boy, so... Yeah. So now the people at, at Amazon and the boy and the cast of the boys called in and it's like, hey, would you like to work on a tie-in game for us? Because that's always worked out for us, unless it's Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, the boys have done pretty well critically and commercially for fans, especially on Amazon. It's been a popular series for them going, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon until they reach the end of the comic book line, even with all the variation and differences. So remember, um, <laughs> remember the ending, remember Multiverse of Madness? So we learned something new. According, there was originally a different ending. So, the ending was dark. We got incursions coming. We got Hickmanian storytelling coming in. But originally, there was going to be a much darker fate. Um, he meets Sinister Strange, the original Doctor Strange, who meddled with dark magic. And the original plan, at one point, was that 
Doctor Strange, the one that we're familiar with, gets trapped in the Incursion universe, and then we find out the Sinister Strange turns around and his third eye opens, revealing that he is now in the in the world of the Marvel 616 universe. And it would have been and and apparently the twist would have involved um would have been announced with Vincent Price's iconic laugh <laughs> from the thriller. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. What we ended up with was Strange falling to his knees in the middle of New York City as his third eye manifests. So, yeah, it would have been actually kind of ballsy to do that. Like, have the story end with the villain winning, so to speak, uh, and, and taking over Doctor Strange's life and hijinks ensuing. I actually probably think that would have been better in people's opinion. Like, there was a lot of people talking about Multiverse of Madness, but I feel like that would have been really interesting if they went that route. So, as that goes on, Tencent Games, the company that has the most powerful you-know-whats in the world, uh, and has ties with the with the government, has announced Ko Tu Jin Yin Young, an open-world martial arts game set in ancient China. Being developed for the Unreal Engine 5 by Lightspeed Studios, the people who made PUBG Mobile and Apex Legend Mobile, the first AAA game of the studio, it will be based on the novels of legendary Chinese writer Jin Yong. A two-minute trailer was released during Tencent's 2022 press game conference, which shows off the fast pacing for the next short fight between two characters. The combat will also feature magic, with what appears to be protagonist wielding wind and his opponent throwing hands. Quite literally. And they announced that the the game will be a fitting tribute to the late author, bringing his life life his life and his works in that are incredibly popular and have already spawned a myriad of films, TV, and game adaptations. And, and this will be the first game set in modern games set in the universe, however, and seemingly the first to be targeting an English-speaking audience. No release date window was given by Tencent, however, the trailer makes it clear that this footage isn't final and the game's platforms are also currently unclear. Yeah, I'm gonna be real, I have never heard of this author. Or this book. That could just be me. Like, I like the Three Kingdoms stuff, but I don't know much about Chinese lore. Or its writings. Just the Three Kingdoms. Because Dynasty Warriors got me into it, which is made by a Japanese developer. I don't think. Meanwhile, remember Christian Bale's Batman? The one that had gargling marbles in his throat? Well, he said he would only return to play the Batman if Christopher Nolan asked him to reprise the role. And if Christopher Nolan returned to direct it. Okay, uh, despite his willingness, Christian Bale confirmed that no one nor anyone else has ever approached him about reprising his DC role, saying nobody has ever reached out to me and they keep me like a mushroom and keep me in the dark and feed me you-know-what. For me, that would be a matter of Chris Christopher Nolan. If he ever decided to do it again, if he chose to come my way again, then yeah, I would consider it because that was always a pact between each other. We, we would just stick to it. We said we would only make three, then I said to myself, and I only may ever make it with Chris. So, and it turns out Warner Bros. did pitch a fourth Batman film to Christian Bale, but, uh, yeah. 
He turned it down out of respect for Nolan, who had always envisioned the thing as a three-film series and nothing more. Plus, he's going to be called the God Butcher. He's going to butch gods. Butcher gods. Also, um, if they do do that, does that mean we'll get a Batman No Way Gotham? I I'll see myself out after this. Meanwhile, because no one seems to understand the concept of, oh my god, we're doomed, and no warning labels around, uh, OpenAI, an artificial intelligence research organization founded by Elon Musk, because of course it is, has trained an AI to play Minecraft almost as well as humans. It took about 30,000 hours of binging YouTube videos, okay, to train... It took, used a technique called Video Pre-Training, VPT, to train a neural network on how to play Minecraft. This involved gathering 2,000 hours of sample data set from actual humans playing Minecraft to not just include raw video, but also exact key presses and mouse movements. From there, the researchers trained an inverse dynamics model, IDM, to predict the future action and being taken of each step in the videos. Finally, the trained AI was shown 70,000 hour, 70, hours of Minecraft YouTube videos. Afterwards, the mob was able to copy the behaviors from the videos, including chopping down trees to collect logs and turning logs to actual crafting table. It also could perform complex activities such as swimming, hunting, and eating. The AI could even do pillar jumping, which involves keeping yourself in the air by repeatedly jumping and placing a block underneath yourself. And the researchers were able to create a foundation model based on the data given to the AI, and from there, the fairing tuned behaviors and learn a new one. The AI was known to be able to perform early game skills such as building wooden, stone tools, and raiding chests, and even building, even build shelters. Then it came to the point where it started developing other fascinations. They used reinforcement learning to reward the AI for performing especially hard challenges. The war system was used so effectively, really inefficiently, the model was able to successfully craft a diamond pickaxe, a task that requires a long sequence of tasks. So, uh... Um, don't see the problem here? Like, am I the only one that thinks that I watched Terminator and I got what it was trying to tell us or the Matrix like are, are we really just gonna ignore what happened in the Terminator universe and what happened in the Matrix universe we're just gonna ignore that and say full steam ahead okay uh, fine uh, I'll serve robot overlords over humans any day now at this point well, we're going to be right back after these messages and ad break, and we'll see you all in a bit. Take care. We're back, everybody. Let's finish this off. So, Skyrim. The game that sadly just now won't die for everyone. Let the mining community do it. Let the mining community handle it. Nope. We gotta make more re-releases every single mother effing day. <sighs> Isn't it annoying? So, because Skyrim... So, because the mining community is trying to assure Todd Howard to stop releasing Skyrim constantly and just make an update of the original, old, like... 
just that you could add in patches instead of re-releasing it over and over and over and over and over and over so yeah so a Nexus mod user has basically plotted his own way to try and sway the public course to go away and stop the inevitable re-release of the next version of Skyrim after the, this console generation ends. Nexus mod, a Nexus mod user released a 16K texture mod upscale feature that enhances the dragon textures for what will likely be the inevitable release of 2050. Uh, there's also a handful of screenshots on Nexus Mod from the update designs that do look awesome. I did look at them. So players with high-end PCs may want to consider adding this mod to their collections if they're still running around Skyrim more than a decade after it's released. And... Yeah... I, I really am hoping this convinces Todd, this delays Todd Howard's massive evil plan. Because, by God, stop, Todd. You already have enough issues with us. We don't want to do more. So anyways, remember that Game of Thrones spinoff, speaking of dragons? Good transition, good transition. Uh, Amelia Clark says that you shouldn't be expecting her to come back for the Game of Thrones spinoff show featuring Jon Snow. Saying, no, I think I'm done. And... Yeah, that, that, that's what she said. In a BBC interview spot by GameSpot, Clark discussed the John Snow-centric spinoff that was recently announced by George R. R. Martin. Harry Tim was seemingly eager to return, having pitched the show to R and HBO himself, and Clark was asked if she would be interested in reprising her role in the new series as Daenerys Targaryen. Nope, she said no. And she effectively has spent her entire 20s in the Mother of the Dragons role. However, while she is unlikely to return to Westeros, her character's family will be in the House of Dragons series spinoff. Clark says that she'll be fascinated to watch the first Game of Thrones spinoff. I'm going to watch this as a fresh viewer because it's said to be a bajillion years before our show, so it's going to feel slightly different. Please, not a bajillion years ago. At best, it's 300 years ago. Get your facts straight, Amelia. Don't. You're going to make us, uh make us feel disappointment. In fact, let's take a look back at how long this takes place. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. 200 years, so I was close, before the events of, G of Game of Thrones. Not a bajillion. Oh. Oh, poor Amelia. But anyways, I'm pretty sure she'll do well as the inevitable character who may or may not play Abigail Brand for the Secret Invasion show. That's what people have been believing. She would I think she would do well in that kind of role she did play the first mutant from an off-planet. Though, I would like to see her be Queen Mira, replacing the other person that I will not mention, because if I do, then I'm going to be flacked with people. Even, even Warner Bros. was like, can we get rid of her? No. Okay. Meanwhile, Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel will be coming in December 2023 for December 20th. Just before Christmas. Yep, and we'll be heading back to New, to New York City for the sequel, which means hijinks ensue and mass destruction. Meanwhile, the Witcher DLC is coming to the Lost Ark this winter. Lost Ark is receiving Witcher 3 Wild Hunt themed DLC that's expected to be released this winter. Winter is coming. 
The DLC was revealed at the Summer Showcase that focuses on a self-created version of the game was inspired by PC Games N, and it's currently unclear the DLC will release for just this version or will it hit the Western version of The Lost Ark 2. Details are still hazy, but CD Projekt Red told IGN that it's working with Smilegate RPG to bring the most authentic would you experience the Lost Ark. The collaboration is expected to be added to a Lost Ark to Lost Ark this winter. Some are hoping for a brand new Witcher class, others are expecting skins based on the Witcher, or perhaps a quest to go alongside it. So yeah. I haven't played Lost Ark. I don't know much about it. This is the first I was hearing about it. Uh yeah, so get ready for that. Meanwhile, the Fallout TV show has added Kyle McLean. No, wait, McAllen. I, I, I think I put Richard that. Mendes Jones and Moulton will join the previously announced Alan Pearl and Walton Doggins. I, I am terrible at these names, who are reportedly playing a lead role as a character based on the ghouls. Um. Isn't that technically the ghouls? So yeah, anyways, Jonathan Owen will direct the series premiere for Amazon, having previously directed several episodes of Westworld in Person of Interest. So yeah, also it's 4th of July, so fireworks are crazy. And Battle Disney CEO Bob Chappick isn't going anywhere, anywhere anytime soon. Since he took over the reins in 2020 from the COVID-19 pandemic, shuttering theme parks across the country to be reported feud with former CEO Bob Iger, there's also that war that, uh, you know, that governor of Florida is doing, but let's ignore him. He doesn't count. Chappick has come seeming to be a battled executive, moving from one crisis to another, and like he did lose the tax exemption status, so... where they could be basically their own country. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder why that was even a thing in the first place. So, yeah, they basically, the, the board has basically put him in, has received a big vote of confidence. With Variety reported that Disney's board directors have unanimously voted to extend his contract for three more years, three more years, three more years. Disney was dealt a tough hand by the pandemic, yet with Bob at the helm, our business, from parks to streaming, not only weathered the storm, but emerged in a position of strength. I mean, like, besides the declaration of war from the governor of Florida, but he's a dumbass. In this important time of growth and transformation, the board is committed to keeping Disney on the successful path it is on today, and Bob's leadership is the key to achieving that goal, even though he probably, even though Bob Iger probably would be better. Bob is the right leader at the time, right time for the Disney Corporation, and the board has full confidence in him and his leadership team. This extension comes despite criticism stemming from his handling of major decisions like releasing Black Widow for both streaming and theaters simultaneously, leading to Scarlett Johansson suing them. He also found himself trapped between angry employees in the Republican Party amid the battle over Florida's Don't Stay Gay bill, which led to a whole bunch of messes that no one cares about since the governor of Florida is a piece of you-know-what. Anyways, uh... Bob Chapik uh, expressed gratitude for the board support and said leading Disney is the honor of a lifetime as he prepares for the next three years of his next term. Good luck with that, man. So anyways, remember Obi-Wan Kenobi, the, the series? Yeah, remember how it was originally supposed to be a movie? Uh, turned out it was supposed to be three movies. 
Okay. Look. It probably should have stuck to just being one movie. Even from being a series. So, yeah, um... Yeah, apparently the right the the writer uh, the credited writer Stuart Bennett uh, came out and pitched the three films to Lucasfilm as he believed Obi Wan from Revenge of the Sith had to go undergo transformations of evolution and before he became the Ben that we know in A New Hope, saying the first one was the first movie, he which was the show which was Surrender to the Will of the Force, transport your will, surrender your will, leave the kid alone. The second was thinking about where Kenobi ends up, and one of the most powerful, and probably the most powerful moment in all of Obi-Wan's stories in that moment where he sacrifices himself in A New Hope. Great moment, you know, makes you cry, but if you start to think about it, it's a pretty sudden thing. It just To just kind of go out or be finding a guy to see Luke go and say, hey, I'm gonna die. You know, that to me, that required forethought. That required pre-acceptance that that was gonna happen. He didn't share the ideas of the third film, but said he was devastated when the trilogy was scrapped as Disney and Lucasfilm shifted major parts of the Star Wars storytelling towards TV shows and movies. I mean... Okay. It should have just stuck to being one movie. I'll explain that when I finish the other two parts of the Kenobi movie, of the Kenobi series, series down the road, but... It really probably should have stuck to just being a one movie. And the way it was presented should have been... It made me think, yeah, that was a good two to two and a half hour movie. Wait, this was a six hour series? Well, no wonder it felt so bloated at times. But we're going back to Fallout. The next big epic event for Fallout 4. Yep, that game is also still being talked about a little bit. They have announced Fallout London. Jolly old London. Good show. Jolly good show. And yeah, a mod team that has been developing a DLC size mod for Fallout 4 called Fallout London released a new trailer with a confirmation for a 2023 release showing the showing the environment, the mod, the aliens and allies, the alien-like creatures, the enemies, the allies, the boat, a bit of both probably unclear, including a wild-looking tree man. So Swamp Thing finally arrived and went to London. And it was announced that Fallout London will come out next year. Here after being uh after being offered in the mod's four years the developmental state. But there is some good news. Fallout so while we have to wait one more year, just one more year for Fallout London. And Bethesda, however, has been interested, even hiring one of the mod's lead writers as a quest designer in August of last year for probably Starfield. Heck, the team behind the DLC size mod has certainly caught the eye of Bethesda developer keeps offering its members jobs. They shared an update which explained that the lead technical advisor, Ryan Johnson, and would be leaving the mod team to start working for Bethesda, which is the second time that we are aware of the developer has hired straight from London Fallout from the Fallout London team at the lead writer, was also hired by Bethesda in 2021. 
Not only that, but the Fallout London's project manager was also offered a position at Bethesda's UK office to work on Fallout 76, though they declined in order to see the mod development through the end. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's other reasons, but <laughs> it definitely, you dodged a bullet there, man. The posted development would not be impacted by the departure, meaning it should still be on track for the recently announced 2023 release window, saying, we have known about this move for a while, and thus Johnson has helped us collate his knowledge into the valuable design documentation so the rest of the team can work on it instead seamlessly. More so, he had finished all his expected level design tasks as well as a few extra ones we didn't expect him to do. The man's professionalism and dedication will honestly be truly missed and felt throughout the team. However, it brings us a heart us hand on heart joy to know that he will be take, taking his amazing talents to a company we all love. And like, until you get rid of Todd Howard, then I'll be glad. So yeah, we're finally going to see an outside perspective of Fallout London, which takes place in the British capital in the post-apocalyptic area, which is sadly not canon. Let's hope it is canon by Bethesda standards. And we get to see something outside of good old USA. Like, we know what the U.S. has become. we never seen how the rest of the world. We don't even know what's going on in Canada half the time. We just know that Canada was annexed, but we don't know what's going on over there. We don't know what's going on in China. We don't know what's going on in Japan. We don't know what's going on in the Middle East. We don't know what's going on in Africa. We just keep focusing back on America because apparently they were the only ones that thought, hey, we should make vaults. Meanwhile, last but not least, Harley Quinn Season 3. Finally with a trailer, and the first three episodes of the season will debut on July 28th, followed by weekly episodes through September 15th. Picking up the story of Harley and Poison Ivy toward the end of their, quote, Eat, Bang, and Kill tour that kicked out at the end of Season 2 and continued through the tie-in comic of the same name. Upon return to Gotham, the new power couple of DC villainy attempt to fulfill Ivy's long-desired plan of transforming Gotham into an Eden paradise. And, yeah, they also kidnapped Amanda Waller and a lot of chaos and Harley and Ivy getting together and doing stuff. And, yeah, insanity, gore, and blood, and violence. Also, we get King Shark and Clayface, Frank the Plant, Kite Man, Batman, Catwoman interacting. I'm pretty sure someone's going to make a joke. Commissioner Gordon and his insanity, among many others. Along with Guardians of the Galaxy director making a surprise appearance, being a cameo as himself, James Gunn. Peacemaker will be impressed. But, yeah. We're in for a wild ride, I feel like. I'm like, that should be guaranteed considering Holly Quinn's crazy. Uh, yeah. But we'll see where that goes. Oh, yeah. This was Neo Reality Collective, hosted by Eric Brown, and present- brought to you by by the Everyday Fans. Feel free to like... Feel free to check out my other content and check out my and check out their site in the link's description below. See y'all next time and I'll see y'all again and for the next episode and take care and enjoy this last outro and, and ad break. Take care and have a good day. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.